What's up? What's up? What is up? You know what it is. It's another Friday of the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration, a.k.a. Breezy, uh, here for another week of sports, business, and entertainment. Uh, you know we got the whole crew. You know how we do it. We bring you the, the rough, rugged, and raw version of the intersection of sports, business, and entertainment. If you have never experienced the Ball Hog Sports Talk before, uh, strap on your seatbelt and get ready to, to, to do this thing. I, I'm going to be joined by the crew. You know how we do it. It's the Big Flow Show on ETP. And this week's episode is entitled The Big Game. Uh, you know why we entitled it that. We're going to get into it a little deeper, the big game. You know you got a, a very powerful entity when they have trademark restrictions on you using a certain title like the Super Bowl. So uh, in compliance with the big bad NFL, we are going to call this show the big game. But at the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, we do it for more than just one reason. There's several reasons why we're going to call it the big game. So if you've ever been a part of a big game, you've ever been anxious to, to be in the big game and showed up in a big moment, this show is for you. Sports Business Entertainment, the Ball Hog Sports Talk. Let's go. Wake up, wake up, wake up, and stay woke. Because this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw. So come get you a spoonful, like some grits with butter and salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on, let's go, go, go. What's up, gentlemen? You know how we do it, man. It's the Ball Hog Sports Talk, and we got the crew in the building. Uh, the one, the only, the Big Flow Show. What up, my brother? What's good, America? Taking a little time out right now to send this out to my troops. Make sure everybody uh, knows that we're on. So, excuse me while I look down for a little bit. I'm um, gonna go ahead, man. Send it to him. Let them know it's the big game, baby. It's yeah, the big baby. game. We about to come big with game. that big game, big game. Uh, and you know, other than the Big Flow Show, it's one other person that we call a part of the crew. Uh, other than in you know. Our, our research we got on the stage none other than etp else the producer what's up my brother what's good everywhere but america <laughs> you gotta get everybody else i'm inclusive i am fully now i'm diverse and inclusive that's the, that's the international the pimping that's international <laughs> pimping we calling this show the big game y'all because you know we got this big game coming up in la uh, and I tried to be as L.A. as possible with my attire this morning. I'm so L.A. with the colors and the hat. You know what I'm saying? Just Mr. L.A. right now because there is a particular uh, game that is going to take place in SoFi Stadium this coming Sunday that has the entire world, and not only America, but the entire world watching. Uh, it is estimated that it close to 120 million. Look, look at that. See, that's why you know it's live, baby. When you got feedback and everything, but 120 million households will be tuned in to this particular game. So we're gonna call this show the big game. 
Uh, and in anticipation of, in anticipation of the big game, uh, two things, man. Let, let's first talk about sort of the big games in more general. All of us were athletes in our day. That's how we decided to come together and create this whole ball hog sports talk environment, very sports friendly environment. Um, are there any big game moments? None of us played in the Super Bowl. So we don't have that necessarily as a reference, but any big game moments, if you think about a state championship, if you think about one that you coach, one that you played in, any big game moments, think about your, your, do you have any um, superstitions related to big games? Do you have any rituals that you like to adhere to in a big game? Any big game moments as we think of this week and all of the players, uh, large percentage of them, this will be their first Super Bowl playing in. Uh, I think all but but but, but two or something. Uh, most everybody here is going to be a new experience for this this moment, the big game, for the most part. Any big game moments that you want to share? Because this was sports business entertainment collide. We gotta let the people know more than just being dope MCs on the mic when it comes to this podcasting thing. We was ball players. We got it in. We did the thing. We walked the walk. We ain't just talk to talk. Any big game memories that you want to share? I'll start with you, ETP. Why? Why you gotta start with me? Uh, I'll start with you, the big flow show. <laughs> <laughs> I was just joking. How about that? Nice question too. Because I saw I saw Big Flow about to say something. I was like, I'm gonna make him hold on to it. Well, go yeah. ahead, Big Flow. No, he, I bet he's had a good story. Yeah, let, let let me go with you first, the Big Flow show. Any any big game memories that you want to share? I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, you asked a couple ways different questions about superstitions. I definitely have uh, superstitions on how to get things going. Um, you know, my playing days, um, we're going we're gonna to go past that. We're going to go from a coaching standpoint, youth football coaching, youth football, youth basketball coaching. You know, we're coaching a, a basketball champ- national championship and a football national championship. I was I was coaching both. But full, hold on. Let, don't let that miss the audience now. I don't know if you, whether it's a live audience or it is our podcast audience. Well, third grade division two national champs, yeah. But but you coached both a football national championship and a basketball national. You championship. know what? I'm lying. I didn't coach the football, but I was there. My son, <laughs> I thought this about story, that. this story. This story is the story going started to change. You know what? I coached my son every football team except the one that won the national championship. That's but I was there. I was close. I was on the sideline, so I had to post the pass. So I didn't actually coach. You didn't coach. All right, but you were there. Okay, so go ahead. I, I digress. Back to your story. Go ahead. Um, so, you know, big game stuff like that, you know, same from a, a mental standpoint, trying to talk to the kids and trying to get them right. Um, knowing what, knowing what's, what's in front of you, you know, and you're about to make history, you know, for the rest of your, for the rest of, uh, you know, humanity, when they go back and they look in the book and they say, who won this championship this year, Marcus? national championship. Yeah, yeah. You know, my son's, my son got a bunch of little rings and stuff. None of them fit his fingers no more, but he got a bunch of little rings and stuff from doing it. So. You know, big days like this, I think uh, Super Bowl, you're sitting in the hotel the night before and just amazed that th- this is what you have a chance to play for. You got a chance to be in history. So, you know, no one's going to really, you know, the, the sports enthusiasts are going to know who won, who, who who lost the AFC championship and the NFC championship on a, on a given year because they lost to bet or do whatever. But at the end of the day, Google me. You find out who won the championship in, in each thing. So, um, obviously, these things are much lower. Um, at Notre Dame, we played for – what we thought was a national championship um, back in the day before they had BCS for some of our younger viewers before, back when they had ties, no BCS, no playoffs, all that stuff. I played and we, we played against Texas A&M. 
we won the game. Then we sat there and watched uh we watched uh Florida State beat um Nebraska, Nebraska in the Orange yeah. Bowl. We had the same record. Um we come back out. I see Coach Holtz party. Only did y'all have the same record. Y'all beat him. Y'all beat Florida State. Same record that we won head to head. But you lost the following week. We we don't want to talk about that. That's none of that. We didn't lose to them. So we got the same record. We come back out. We we partied that night. I see Coach Holtz party and never seen him party before. Everyone's so excited. And I tell you, the the biggest moment I have of, uh, and I hate to be a downer, but this is how we're going there. The biggest disappointing day of my life. There was probably about 20 of us that flew back to Chicago. As soon as we got off the plane, CNN said, it was like some channel said, right after the commercial break, we're going to name the national champion. So we got all of us with our arms around each other. Uh, and I got my Notre Dame shirt on today for my boy B.Y. that's in the Hall of Fame, baby. But we'll talk about that later. We Respect. got our arms around each other. And they come back and they say, Florida State number one, Notre Dame number two. And if there's 20 different directions people can walk in, we all turn and walk to 20 different directions. Everybody was sick. So I, for those of you who are going to have that feeling on Sunday that you lose the big game, I feel for you. We won the big game and still lost. So as Michelle still said, we got robbed. If you went to Florida State, you're wearing my ring, right? <laughs> the stain on that little one, the little stain, the little extra gold they had to put on there. That was us that did that to you. I know it doesn't matter, but. It sucks. So that's my bad, man. I, I look. Uh, I didn't ask either. for the big game memories in that one because memories can be both good and bad, and and, and there are bad memories when you think back on that. I could imagine, man. Um, in, in our heart, you're still number one, Big Flow. You're still number one in our heart, my brother. Be wide in the Hall of Fame. I got two Hall of Famers I played with now: Bryant Young, Class of 2022 Hall of Fame. And we still got second place. <laughs> we still got second place. But great team. Very great team. I'm on to you now, ETP. Uh, any memories that you want to share or like superstitions, things that you do when it, when there's time for a big game. Uh, I'm now in the coaching ranks when I think of big games versus the playing ranks. But still, whether you're an athlete or a coach, there's a certain camaraderie. There's a cer- certain there's a certain feeling that, 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 that you have when you're going into this big game. If you don't think the coaches on both staffs, both the Bengals and the Rams are just as nervous. You crazy. The the coaches' families are just as nervous. Everyone is just on eggshells thinking about the big game. So when you reflect upon that moment in your athletic life, the big game, anything you want to share before we hop in this week? Yeah, so so it's it's actually – I remember – nowhere near the Super Bowl, but it was like rec league. It was maybe like early high school rec league championship game. There you go. And and that's your Super Bowl. And it, it wasn't my Super Bowl in any way, but I'm just thinking <laughs> back to the concept of like how much pressure is mounting right. to be playing in the Super Bowl. Like this was, you know, we were like 14, 15 years old, rec league championship. We end up winning the game, but the pressure that was felt, the perceived pressure of something that it was, you know, it's at a YMCA in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's not, a, you know, it's not a big, there's nobody in, there's no people in the stands that didn't play the game before. Right. <laughs> like, it, there's nothing, right? But the pressure of just wanting to achieve the top level of whatever's in front of you in something so insignificant that we felt, and then you magnify that 
and and to try to put it into context in terms of what the level of pressure is because it's not even just personal egotistical pressure there's money on the line there's right. livelihoods on the line like did i just people hear have, people deal with pressure what's that did I just hear rec league and livelihoods in the same? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he's yeah, he's so now right. looking forward to the. the I'm, 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 I'm putting it into context right. of yeah, how much the, how much pressure there I'm is. Sorry. Yeah, you should pay attention when I talk. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I guess to try because to just try to care like put it into perspective of how much pressure is on these professionals. And people will always be armchair quarterbacks and, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks and have all these perspectives. But the amount of pressure that most people can't even live up to in something as simple as a rec league championship. But then they have criticism of these people that are essentially they're they're make or making or breaking their career on the biggest stage of their professional reality. I don't I don't uh, discount that at all. So. I don't have a a big a moment as big as that, but I can at least try to put it into context fair, to show fair. how big this moment is for for these people, and to allow us to let them be professionals as opposed to condemning them, which a lot of sports fans do while they eat a you know a dozen chicken wings or whatever. That's why we're different. That's why we're different. And, and I'm gonna ask our live audience, please. Uh, first of all, like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know, and please subscribe in both the podcast space and also with our YouTube channel. And I'm going to ask our live audience also for contribution purposes. Also, feel free to share. When it when you think of big game, uh when you when you when you think back on it, whatever that big game was for you, w- whether it was the 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 93 championship game uh bowl game or potential championship bowl game as, as the Big Flow show has shared whether it was the rec league championship games, ETP is here. We've all had the big game. And in a, in a weird way, the Super Bowl, it, 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 you know, not being able to be called Super Bowl because the ever-hungry, money-hungry NFL has protected its intellectual properties, uh, puts us all in this space, right? Because we keep hearing, if you've been invited to a Super Bowl party, they call it the big game. When you look at the commercials, they call it the big game. It puts us in this space where we got to reflect on our big game, our big moment, our team that was supposed to be the one. That was the championship team, whether it be rec league or or, 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 or some college football or, or whatever it was. For me now, as a coach, you know, the, the regional championship game, that's been two iterations of it I've lost. That's been my big game. And the first time uh, we played in it, ETP, you were on that coaching staff. I felt like I went in uh, changing the dynamic of the day, right? I put more pressure on the kids than they needed to. I I felt as though I was a part of the problem in the sense that I I was moving a different way. I wasn't as carefree. Anybody who was around me could tell that this was the big game, right? And and that was my oldest son playing on that team. So this year, we we make it to the same round, the regional championship, and and now I'm in the big game again. And I said, I'm going a, I'm to a take the exact opposite approach. I'm so carefree. I got the music playing. And we went out there and got drugged. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a, a, a right or wrong way. All right. And, and maybe next year I'll find some happy medium where, you know, I'll put pressure on and then we'll relax and, and, and do a doggone, uh, you know, a dance off or something. Uh, and I'll balance it. But, but the calling it the big game. When speaking about the Super Bowl, puts every person, 
no matter who you are, no matter what your, 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 your athletic level has been, it puts us in that moment where we were a part of the big game. It puts us, it puts us back in 1983 for some of us playing a junior you know, youth league championship. It puts us in a space where we can appreciate the magnitude of the moment. Uh, I ask both of you, when you look at the actual big game, the Super Bowl, what are there any traditions that you have? How do you watch it? And then I that's the first part of it, all right? And that'll kind of give me an indication of what you're going to do this year because we're finally getting back into the basic traditions that we had before, I think. Wear a mask, be vaccinated, get a booster. I'm saying all the things responsibly, so don't nobody come at me. But But people are probably going to go to Super Bowl parties this year. All right, we're getting back to those traditions. That's the first part. And then the second is, what was in your lifetime best Super Bowl you ever watched? Because if recent history stays true, we've had, I think, the best divisional round of, of NFL playoffs ever. Ever. The, the best, and I, yeah, I'll even say the best, best conference player. round championships ever. Best collective group. I think we figured out the math. Over six games, there's been, what, three, uh, three times three is nine plus uh, six that's 15 plus another Curious six seven. 21 21 points has separated has been the margin of difference that separated the teams over the last two weeks so if recent history holds true this might be the best super bowl ever if so let's reflect upon what was your best super bowl in recent history that you've ever seen there it is two parts of it i i i i guess i gotta start with you on this one etp uh, Super Bowl traditions. Are you looking forward to anything going into this week? And then your best Super Bowl member, your best Super Bowl. What would you qualify as best Super Bowl? Let's go. So I have a couple. I don't really have traditions, uh, but in terms of best Super Bowl, I would I would have to before. But my first memory of Super Bowl was I think Super Bowl twenty. Giants versus the Broncos. It's when I remember falling in love with football. You kind of sounded like a sports nerd there. You said the number. I can't remember which Super Bowl was which. You remember I was, was Super Bowl 20? It was Super Bowl 20. Bill Parcells, Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks. <laughs> like, super. Like, I fell in love. I fell in love with the sport of football at a very, very young age. And I remember watching that game as a, as a kid. Got However... It. Tom Brady's performance against the Atlanta Falcons coming back from 28 to 3 might have to be the undisputed best Super Bowl performance ever which I'm not a Tom you're more of a Tom Brady fan than I am and at that point I was like that means you are absolutely not a Tom Brady fan and, and at that, that point and at that, that point dude. I was like you know what no matter what happens after this that's the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game of football. Threw 199 balls that game, came back 28 to 3. And my uncle, God rest his soul, was at the game. So I have a personal connection to it. And it was, it was basically, I'm in Boston, I'm from Boston. The way Boston sports is able to create this fervor. Where like you think it's over, I think I'm gonna. But then throw there's up. a bloody sock somewhere, I think or, I'm gonna throw up. or something, and you never give up. David Ortiz hits a home run, whatever it is, you cannot, you cannot argue that that's not the 
greatest comeback in NFL history. Greatest on comeback. the biggest right, stage. On the biggest stage that the that the sport has to offer. Greatest comeback. But it was 28 to 3. So I mean greatest game, right? So I'll give you that. Greatest comeback. And and let's be let's be fair, because Atlanta Falcons also failed a math test. Because like you can replace points, you can't replace time. So Dan Quinn and all of his wizardry failed a math test in the biggest stage because all you had to do was make sure that the time elapsed. But anyway, yes, I give you that. You you oh, always you always want to throw these grenades into conversations and then be like, oh yeah, well we won't talk about that. <laughs> but give you gotta you have to give some level of recognition. Tom I don't Brady. care about a math him. test. I don't care about. I give it to him. Any of the analytics. I'll give it to him, man. He he look, that was what a more, great what more does he have to do? What more greatest, does he have to do? Greatest comeback ever. I'll give you that. Uh same question to you, Big Flow Show. Think about just uh your traditions, like anything <clears throat> that you do looking forward to going into this week of the big game, uh, aka the Super Bowl. And like what would you qualify best Super Bowl ever? Because if 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 these playoffs have shown us anything, it could be eclipsed. We could officially be into new territory when we qualify best Super Bowl ever because in the last two rounds of playoffs have shown me that there's something magical about football. The NFL's got something magical going on uh, when it comes to on-the-field stuff this year. So same two questions to you. Go ahead. Traditionally, we throw a party. This year we're going to go to a party. So, you know, whatever. I love throwing a party. I've probably thrown at least 10 or 15 Super Bowl parties. Do you watch the commercials at your party? Uh, we'll watch the commercials, get into halftime stuff, you know what I mean? Because it's a family-friendly event, so you're going to get around to it with the wives and hanging out and do whatever. I pay attention as much as possible, but, you know, obviously usually getting a cocktail or doing something during a commercial break. But I really enjoy throwing Super Bowl parties and having people over. Um, for a while, I had friends come in from out of town for my Super Bowl parties. It was a good time. I've done them at bars. I've done them at the house. We've done whatever. It would be great. So tradition, traditionally there, but, you know, all traditions eventually – Fall by the wayside. So especially with a pandemic. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. Especially. So with we pandemic. do different things there. The, the so. pandemic is what I'm assuming interrupted your your parties. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, it's kind of times went on. You know, people say, "All right." The first time was I used to have a friend of ours, Shane Sadler, used to come by to all the Super Bowl parties, and then he uh, his kids got older. He was spending the weekend when he, the first year he didn't come. My wife wanted to take a year off, and then now it's been seven. Now it's been, okay. Right, I thought you was going to say either that or somebody put some raisins in the potato salad and ruined. Somebody the put thing. some raisins. Okay, so yeah, some, somebody brought chitlins. With sugar in. Anyway. What is that smell? So, uh, I mean, so you're when going I go to through, a party this year. You're going. I'm to going a party. to a party this year. I'm going to enjoy right. myself right. on somebody else's time. So, right. so you might be watching. So I appreciate you, Dion. Anyway, long story short. Uh, you're talking about best Super Bowls. And I, and, and that's a good question. I said, let me think. I had to refresh my memory. So you got to look at the Rams-Titans in 2000, you know, where he guys comes out, he, he's extending the ball, and he just comes up a little bit short. Um, you got to look at the the the, the Giants, the Patriots, with the, with the helmet catch, oh, yeah. their, their perfect season or whatever. It was a great Super Bowl. Yeah. But you're crazy if you don't think the best Super Bowl of all time was the 85 Bears against the Patriots. That's the best. Don't shut up. That's the best Super Bowl of all time. Because my Chicago Bears found the time. Yo, you you got mute me now? I'm talking. (laughs) Grown folks talking. My Chicago Bears found the time not to suck, not to disappoint. They had the best defense ever. The biggest margin at the time, maybe still standing in the Super Bowl history of a victory. And the New England Patriots came in there, and they were talking all that stuff. That little receiver cut his little hand and stuff, cutting potatoes. They was talking all that mess. And we beat that ass. 
So yeah, so 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 Stop just talking, to be clear, I'm still talking. No, you're right. I just want to. I there's you know we got fact checked when I said Super Bowl twenty. I remember Super Bowl twenty. That was Super Bowl twenty. I fell out of love with football, and then the next year when the Giants played the Broncos was twenty one. That's when it fell in love. Oh, so God. Super Bowl twenty, Super Bowl twenty didn't actually happen. You had a love hate relationship with Super Bowl twenty. I see both of y'all are homers when it comes to this Super Bowl question. I mean, and it just so way. happens that my homer beat his homer. That's what well, just, oh, well, just to stick forty six to ten. Forty six to ten, dog. Yeah, <laughs> well, I have nothing to say. Somebody yeah. didn't belong in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no business in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna no ask business. the audience the same question since both <laughs> y'all want to answer with your favorite teams and all of that. Uh, I asked the audience the same question: What would you say for our live audience has been, and I would say recent history? Because if you if you if you give me a Super Bowl that no one don't say Super Bowl one, like give me something that we all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> can remember uh, in recent football history. Uh, what would you say is the best Super Bowl ever uh, in your recent football history memory? Because I do think that we might be on the cusp of getting that replaced. Football's been that good. I see that the Rams are favored. I think by I don't know what the line is right now. At one point they were up to over seven. Uh, the, the Rams are favored, and, 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 and it was four and a half. It's right, four and so, a half now. All right, four and a half now. So so I see the Rams are favorite. It's sort of a pseudo home game for the Rams. But every time I picked against Joe Cool and them Bengals, and I say every time, just been, you know, in the playoffs, he obviously has has shown me that he's a winner. They figure out a way to win. The Rams are a hot team with a hot defense. Uh, but Matthew Stafford, when you look at turnovers throughout the season, Matthew Stafford, he throws some picks. And to be honest, the 49ers could have had a game-sealing, winning pick right in the safety's hands, and, it, and he dropped it. So it's a tough one, man. I don't know who's going to win this one, but I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I guess predictions, we got to go predictions. Let's go quickly. Uh, ETP, who you got winning it? I gotta stick with the cigar smoker. I'm going with the Bengals. Let's see what going happens. With the Bengals. All right. All right. Last and final answer. Uh, fine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Big Flow Show. Who you got winning this, man? You got the Rams. I'm gonna go Bengals. Aaron Donald and the Rams. I gotta go the Rams. To the Damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna buy myself another few hours and figure out who I got, man. Because I gotta, I gotta do the whole uh, uh, prediction today. So. I, I'll figure out who, but but it's just so many people saying Rams. Like whenever you hear everyone say, "Oh, the Rams," you know, um, what's up, my man uh, Maceo? Uh, uh, he's he's new to this the show. I appreciate Maceo's one of your people. That's the guy. Uh, I see, coming. I see that. I see the Scushion. What's up, good brother? Uh, but he 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 says Rams by fourteen, and that's like the, the going theme now. When you go to barbershops, which should be the litmus test of all sports conversation, when you go to barbershops, you gonna hear Rams. And the margin of victory is getting wider and wider the closer you get to that tight fade. And, and you know, and and I don't know, man. I, that's making me want to say Bengals. That's making me want to say Bengals because uh, smart money is never smart when it comes to sports. <laughs> when you hear everybody going one direction, that's when you got to go the other way. Because Vegas is sitting there licking their chops waiting. Not that it's I just... think that Vegas has that much of an impact, but Vegas be knowing something, man. They be knowing. And there's something about like being on the bigger stage and like literally having nothing to lose 
Like having nothing to lose. Like if the Bengals, they walking in, they're walking into the situation. They got nothing to lose. Okay. First time, no expectations. Don't have a, a no a expectations. Bowl. None. Yeah. Oh, that's that's such a defeatist. Ad- You're in the Super Bowl. You have a chance to win. Everyone's got everything to lose. This is your chance. But there's not the you- pressure of expectation, is what I'm saying. And, and here's why I started with the whole concept of the big game. Go tell that to Joe Burrow. But this is why I started with the concept. I of the guarantee big game. he's not sweating. I you guarantee you guys are he's arguing sweating. two sides of a, of a very similar coin, right? Because people they approach the big game in the moment differently, and we don't know who's going to show up and do what in this moment. But that will be the telltale sign of who wins, right. because you both are right. Technically, the Bengals don't have anything to lose. They don't have any history to call upon in terms of Super Bowl victories. They don't. They haven't been to the dog on Super Bowl in 30 years. Icky Woods was they brought when they brought Icky Woods looking every bit of 400 pounds onto stage, not body shaming, but and and I know Icky Woods, not to name drop. Respectfully, respectfully. Respectfully. I know Icky Woods, he's a good brother. He might be watching the show, so be careful. I hope he's watching the show. A very good brother, amazing family, dope guy. But when you see Icky Woods and you think it's Icky Shuffle and you see Icky Woods in 2022, you really get a glimpse of how long it's been. Right? And, and, and the flip side of that is you're right. Here. How many chances do you get to be in the Super Bowl? So so each player uh, that needs to contribute in their own ways is going to approach this in a different way. And that's why I start off with the psyche of the big game. We're going to see. I think it's going to be a great show because the, the recent playoffs have shown me that this is something magical when it comes to football this year. Uh, well, well let, but let me let me let me ask you a question, a personal question. So and it, and it comes from the perspective of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase played in the national championship and won it. And they played in, you know, in front of crowds of 90, 100,000 people. You've done the same. You did the same at the college level. And I guess my question to you is, when you experience that at the amateur, quote unquote, level, when you get to the pros, does it feel bigger or does it not feel bigger? It 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 it's it bigger. Like you played in the big house, right? Like you played right. in the big house, right. hundred and ten thousand. Yeah, There's off. no stadium that holds that many yeah. people. Maybe I Dallas now. There. I got off in there, but yeah. I also got an excessive celebration penalty in that same stadium. So I had the highs and the lows right. in the stadium. Uh, but uh, but you were there. You you know what I'm saying? So I, I was, guess the question. I was there, but I, I think it is there. There is more pressure because uh, the big house probably holds one hundred and twelve thousand. Right. Yeah. There is no NFL stadium that's the equivalent. So when you think of inside the stadium, you know, comparing one versus the other, the college stadiums are bigger. But right. just the, the the feeling, the vibe, the magnitude, the 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 pressure that goes into it, right? You got Radio Road there in LA where every media person, except for us, right? I said last year we was gonna be there this year, but I give me a plus one. Next year we're gonna be there. You got Radio Row. Every media personality is there. People are flying in, and, and they're all a part of this L.A. thing. And the most, I think, pressure is that your entire life you've dreamt of this moment. The Super Bowl, you've dreamt of it as, as, a, as a player. And so that step up, yes. And not to mention, there'll be roughly 117, 118, maybe 120,000 TVs. That's million. a million. That, million. That, that, right. We want thousands. Thousand. Sorry, that the reference was to the end stadium number. One hundred and twenty million televisions worldwide locked in on this. Yeah, it's bigger. It's bigger now because of what you have shared. 
the experiences like a Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have had and other players being in big moments, whether it be high school, college, or even previous NFL experiences, I think that puts them in a position that mentally they see it as just another game, at least between the lines. The players that see it more than that and try to press and do something extra tend to make the mistakes in the big games. And, and so that's why I wanted to start off with just our, our own psyche, the three of us, our live audience. Uh, when you think of big games, what do you think? Do you do things differently? And that's why I started there, because I think when, when, when it's all said and done and the story is written of the 2021 uh, season, and whether it be the Cincinnati Bengals and their championship or the L.A. Rams and their championship, it's going to come down to a few plays made by a few players that for them, the moment was just another moment that they used to thrive. And that that's what separates the, the ones who make the plays and the ones who don't. I will say with Joe Burrow, <clears throat> it's bigger, kind of. From a mentality standpoint, it's the biggest moment of your life and you had to step up. He went in a national championship game, which was the biggest game of his life, the biggest thing at the time in his perspective that he could imagine doing, and he stepped up. The Super Bowl is that next step, but you're never prepared, I think, when you walk out there for how big it's going to be. And so he had to go out there and and step up with that. So I, I think I think the Super Bowl, I think his, his, his national championship experience is going to have him totally prepared for this. But I think that they're all professionals. They, they're – they're maybe beyond the hoopla anyway because they go out there and they're seeing fans. That once you got used, to, you gotten this far, you know, you got used to being a star. You're used to doing all this different stuff like that. It's just regular, I think. Well, I ask our live audience, please continue to contribute. Let us know when it comes to your big game. When you think back on that big game, I don't care what level it was, right? Because it's all relative. Not everyone's going to ascend the ranks and be an NFL player and then be able to overcome all the odds to be in this Super Bowl. Like, that's not going to happen for most Americans. Uh, and I, I I, still want to hear, in your big game, what were your, your traditions? Did you do anything different? Did you add too much pressure to yourself? And how did it pan out for you? Uh, my man, Cam Davis, Cam Davis said, he, Big Scotty said, he sent the dog on show to Icky Woods. That's what I said. <laughs> Icky, if you're listening, brother, I ain't got nothing negative to say. Phenomenal, phenomenal human being. Rewind the show. <laughs> phenomenal human podcast. but but if there's 120 million people tuned in to watch this game right because to a certain degree you think the week that the nfl has had right and we started talking about the football which we should but the week that the nfl has had do they deserve 120 million eyes 120 million eyes because the week started off with a response to the response, meaning Brian Flores and his lawsuit, class action lawsuit that he filed, the complaint that came in, right? There was a response the NFL initially came out with and said that there's no merit to this claim. And a few short days later, in the form of a memo, this NFL memo written and in inked by Roger Goodell, and I hope that he had at least two or three attorneys flanking him while writing these words, because Adam He's also Schefter, an attorney, right? Isn't isn't he, by practice, he's an attorney himself? I don't know if Goodell's ever practiced. Attorneys. Maybe. Great question. Yeah. I, I know his, he's got a brother that's an attorney. Great question. Uh, but, but he inked this memo that went out to the NFL teams that basically said, we have a diversity problem. We need to do better. All of the 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 
guidelines and policies we put in place to increase our diversity, equity, and inclusion have failed us. We got to do better. I imagine that Brian Flores and his attorneys were licking their chops saying this is the, the quintessential admission. But let's get beyond that and let's look at the memo and, and let's talk about it. Because on the heels of that memo, there was a series of NFL head coaching hires. And in those hires, I'm not certain. No, I am certain. I am certain. And, and, and it has also been admitted by Roger Goodell that the NFL continues to miss the mark when it comes to its efforts and at least what it articulates in terms of diversity equity and inclusion if you look at those nfl hires this week you had the jaguars uh the texans you had the saints the broncos and we're gonna say them good old miami dolphins for last we can go one by one and we can see that the nfl continues to miss his mark when it comes to diversity equity and inclusion was there a black coach hired yes some would argue more than one hire um, and we'll get, we'll get into that. Um, the, 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 on the surface, the mark is met, I'm assuming, but think about the coaches that weren't hired. Let's start in Jacksonville. Doug Peterson is hired. Doug Peterson is a, a, a Super Bowl champion head coach. Doug Peterson, uh, was a teammate of mine in Cleveland. I've got a ball with Doug Peterson on it. Yeah. He threw me my first NFL catch it was by way of Doug Peterson. Good dude. I cheer for Doug Peterson uh, as a coach. But in this week, even my old teammate, get him, Doug. I wasn't able to really celebrate Doug's hiring because I thought about Byron Leftwich being the, 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 the lead candidate for that job. Byron Leftwich having the results that he's had in Tampa Bay and having what seems to be everyone recommending him in a head coaching role not getting the job. And then I, I, and then I had to look back at the memo. Same thing in Houston. Well, Houston ended up hiring a black coach, Lovey Smith. But Lovey Smith was one or two finalists. And you look at Lovey Smith's career, he started his, his coaching career in 1980 as a high school coach. Went on to ascend the ranks as a head coach in the high school ranks, then went into college coaching in 1983. 1996, he finally went into the NFL. He went back to the head coach in the, uh, in the college ranks at Illinois. Uh, 2016, and you look at his career, that's 1980 to 2022. That, that, that's a long career, 42 careers, if my back of the envelope math serves me well. He was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with none other than Josh McCown, who recently retired from the NFL, has never been a head coach on any level. Those are the two finalists, and I, I don't want to – undermine Lovey Smith as a head coach being hired, but we all think that it was a wink-wink. We got to hire one. Lovey Smith is about as, as safe as it gets, and we just we, we just bought the last coach in here, a brother who was older. We brought him in and fired him after one year. We probably could do the same thing for Lovey Smith, at least get us over this whole diversity issue because the Texans going anywhere close to nowhere when it comes to their, their roster next season. They ain't going nowhere. But you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Josh McGowan after a 42-year coaching career, an appearance in the Super Bowl. Let's look at and, and he wasn't even on he wasn't even on the short list at the time. Wasn't even on the radar. 
That was a Roger Goodell looking at who had the worst chances of being anything next year. And the Texans, right after they just brought in David Culley without his quarterback and a pitiful roster and fired him after one year, that was a perfect call. You can hear the call now. Roger, hey, hey, check this out. What we going to do is we, I'm going I'm to send you a name. I need you to fly him in tomorrow and hire him the day after. Love can you, you do that? Can you do that? <laughs> we we'll gotta get past this. Balls, <laughs> we'll let you do some stuff. We'll get away. I'll go easy. Yeah, what, what what NFL GM sounds like a Chicago pimp? <laughs> they they pimping all of us, man, because 120 million. <laughs> listen, 120 listen, million, baby. 120 million. <laughs> gonna be wonderful, 120 baby. million televisions be watching the Super Bowl. I do feel like they're pimping us. <laughs> a few days after you told me that this doggone lawsuit has no merit, you then ink that memo to talk about how diversity, equity, and inclusion has has failed in the NFL. Come on, man, they're pimping us. So from from a from a legal perspective, you you alluded to it, but from a legal perspective, making this statement in the midst of a lawsuit and essentially admitting admitting fault in some capacity, how does how does that impact the lawsuit? Well, the lawsuit is very specific about activities that Brian Flores claims happened to him and to mm-hmm. other coaches. So uh, one doesn't necessarily undermine the other. But I, but the, in the court of public opinion, the optics of it look horrible. Right. You're going to ink this doggone memo a few days after you came out publicly with a, a, an investigation that lasted all of 30 seconds. And I, and I said it last week that one of the, the sports pundits pointed out that we – investigated deflated balls pause deflate gate and footballs the capacity of air in which they had you investigated that for months on end and as soon as you get a doggone class action complaint filed against you that has some serious allegations not only in terms of diversity but the competitiveness of the sport it took you all of 28 seconds to come out and say there's no merit to this with no investigation and no investigation whatsoever. So so there, there, there's that part of it. So the, I think the court of public opinion, yeah, it looks bad, but I don't know if it really helps Brian Flores and his legal team. We shall see. You had New Orleans, who everyone thought Eric Bieniemy was a shoo-in. Oh, he going to get it. For Eric Bieniemy's finally going to get his job. Finally. Didn't happen. Instead, with a little bit of protection because their D coordinator did do very well, did improve their defense. They hired their defensive coordinator who is, is very white, Dennis Allen. And maybe very right for the job. Very white and very right. Maybe he's both of them, but he ain't Eric Bien. Then you got the Denver Broncos. They hired Nathaniel Hackett, who, you know, another up-and-coming young guy. You got the Minnesota job that's still open, and, and everyone sort of knows who's going to be hired, the white guy who happens to be, you know, busy right now uh, in the Super Bowl this week. Uh, and, and then I saved the best for last, the Miami Dolphins, the team that the initial lawsuit has some strong connection to because Brian Flores was the head coach, the team that everyone thought that prematurely and inexplicably fired this black man. That team went and hired a man by the name of Mike McDaniel, who qualifies himself as not black, not white. He qualifies himself as it's complicated. 
If there was a racial category that says it's complicated, that's how he would click it. And I know this because of a particular interview. Drum roll, please. Fasten your seatbelt. If you don't watch anything else today, I don't care what you do. I need you to pay close attention to what you're about to hear. This particular interview is going to be worth the time that you spend listening. Watch closely because this is the definition from a racial standpoint of it's complicated. Yeah, it, it's been very odd to tell you the truth. This idea I, of identifying as something, um, you know, I think people identify me as something, but I identify as a human being. Uh, it, it, and my dad's black. So whatever you want to call it, um, I know there's a lot of people with a shared experience, but it doesn't make, you know, it, I'm just... It's weird that it comes up because the, the you know, I've, I've just tried to um, be a good person. And I think, I think my background opens my eyes a little bit. Um, I don't have any um, real experience with, with racism because, you know, I, I think you identify me as something close to, I don't know. Um, but... I know my, my mom experienced it when she uh, married my dad. I know my dad experienced it, and that's in my family. But um, I guess that makes me a, a, a human being that can identify with other people's problems. OPP, other people. You dropped the problem. mic after that, or did you have to pick it up and start over? You, no, you, you, you got, we're going to pick up where he left off. OPP, other people's problems. Uh, <laughs> The NFL, in this particular week, with the entire world watching and its diversity crisis, hired a man that says, as one of their diversity hires, I identify as a, as, as a human. I, I'm cool. I do that, too. I don't identify as a Martian yet. Um, so I'm with him there. But for me... You know, and this is this man's what forty two years old. We talk about like like a question posed to you about diversity and what you represent in terms of this diversity hire because the Miami Dolphins got two third round picks because of this air quote diversity hire. If you presented that to a forty something year old man, it shouldn't sound like you presented it to a three year old man. That's a three-year-old's response that that is in, in in a situation where he got a white dad, mom, black mom, and a forty-something-year-old man. And if this is the person at the height of this diversity dilemma in the NFL with an organization that really set off the fire alarms with both the the allegations that have been presented against the owner and just the decision to fire him in general. Like you fired a man that did something that no other coach in the NFL has been able to do. He had two winning seasons with that roster. You got bad hip tool out there throwing picks and looking crazy, and you the man figured out how to win and you fired him. That's the same organization that hires this man. And at no point in the interview process, you ask a simple question like, if presented with the diversity question, how would you answer that? If you answer that in the interview, I eliminate you right then and there. I strap, nah, we good, bro. 
we good. I identify as a human, but I guess I also understand OPP, other people's problems. If it wasn't so funny, I would have to cry. It's laughable that this is what it is. And this man, to his credit, to his credit, Mike McDaniel didn't sign up to be the poster child of the diversity dilemma. He well, did. here you find yourself, dog. He like when he told them, nobody that hired him knew that he was black, correct? <laughs> so he said, hey. It depends if they saw the hold wedding on. pictures. He had to come in an interview. When they hired that man, they thought he was a white guy, right? And he said, Why would whoa, you whoa, say whoa. that? Why would you say that? Yo, he said it himself, dog. He was like, I don't know what racism is. He never said <laughs> white. He almost no, said he, 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 he almost said, yo, he said it. He said it. It's like, tell Here's me you're white without telling me you're white. <laughs> like, that's, Look, that's what that happened. That was the part. That was a frozen part in his head. He has a that was tell me you white without telling you white. No, man. Kept, hey, hold on. You had to say this. This dude, he would have been cool, and I would have had to feel what you're saying. He didn't sign up for it, but he let them. He told them, hey, man, you know we can get two picks. <laughs> right? They should have just shut that shit up. He should have just passed. He should have just said, I don't know. Nah, we ain't getting no picks, though. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If he would have passed up on the picks, I'm good. But for you to try to cash in on those picks, when you, I mean, again, or yeah, but that, wasn't, but that, was, that wasn't time. his, Look, that wasn't we, uh, his, that didn't ETP, benefit him. You know, I'll let you he, he describe his, his lineage, but we, we should, I got, you know, my kids are biracial. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, we're not trying to criticize <laughs> it. But when you come out there and say, you ask my son what he is, he's going to tell you he's black, right? He's not going to say, well, my dad is black. My family's from Haiti. I was born well, in America. I associate with that clown. If you ask me what I am, I'll tell you I'm Haitian. My parents are both Haitian. I'm I was born in America, but my lineage is Haitian. That makes me Haitian. So for you to say, well, my parents are from Haiti. I don't know what they are. <laughs> my daddy was black. What the f? It, it reeked of me. It reeked to me of someone his entire life. Because what I will say, and again, I don't know the coach that well. What I will say is it, it, it seems so awkward that he has probably lived his entire life. His experiences have been in communities such that they have embraced him as somebody that's white. He might even be, and I'm not going to speculate in terms of you know being members of a white fraternity or anything. I don't know. But, but what it sounded like was someone trying to be authentic in a space that they tried – to use him as a pawn in the diversity dilemma. And this man up there in front of Mike was trying to be authentic. Now, I, I guess there's a level of respect to that, but you could have, bro, bro, hire me. Hire somebody in PR to just help you navigate around the conversation because you're a part of the conversation. Yeah. You're a replacement for Brian Flores who filed a class action lawsuit for being terminated, he thinks, because he was black for being uh, marginalized for what he thinks is systemic racism, for opening a can of, a, a can of, of whoop-ass when it comes to diversity in the NFL, you're the guy replacing him. So you're going to have to answer the question. Right. ETP, but, I don't know what you thought about. Hold on. You said, I, so you said the question. I'm sorry, E. You're saying the man. question is, this one said, hey, you, you wouldn't happen to be black, are you? Is that what they, <laughs> your question is? Really have to answer? I don't, I don't know. Like, when did it come up? I want to know. I get that, I get that interview. I get that question in interviews all the time, dog. <laughs> you wouldn't have to. When did that come up? In the, in That's the, actually in the, the second thing. question I get asked in every interview I go to. Like, are you, are you black? 
Just checking because we might hire you. Like when you have to check the race and it says black, white, other, does he put black and then my daddy is? <laughs> Look, I, he's not alone though. He puts in dad, black dad. He's not alone. Uh, what's up, brother Baysmore? What's up, good bro? Uh, you know, he asked a question, and 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 then I'm gonna pivot to you, ETP. I wonder uh, if McDaniel's checks the black box on the on the Yale application, and and I and I put that comment up because. Uh, I, I, I met ETP when we were on that campus at, at Yale University. And, and you know, and I know ETP, he's not alone. On that campus, there's a bunch of people that, from an identity standpoint, and their experiences are very confused. They are. I just think, right, and, 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 and Brother Bazemore, I think what he checked was it's complicated. That's the only box that you could have. After that response, it's complicated is his response to his race. Either that or none of your business or OPP, other people's problems, something. But but something as simple as, as checking a box to say I'm black, through that interview, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's never been able to do that. And this is a guy you roll out as a replacement for Brian Flores. It feels as though we are being pimped. Yet 112 million people are going to watch this Super Bowl. And I'm going to watch it. So I don't want to be hypocritical. I'm going to watch it. But I think simultaneously, right, if you look at the ratings over the last two weeks, if you look at the contracts, the NFL is the model when it comes to a sports business in this country. It is by far number one. If you still want to call it the big four and add uh, hockey, okay, cool. It is by far number one, even compared to the NBA that has an international following. It is time that we start putting pressure on the people that we are helping get even richer and wealthier, and we're helping build this business. That's all I'm saying. And and and, and I just think moments like these, it's like, yeah, I'm going to laugh about it too, but I'll be damned if it's, you're going to sit here and embarrass my intelligence. That's where I feel like we're at with this now. That interview featured a man that is replacing Brian Flores. I can't make that point enough because it's almost unbelievable. It's incredible that that is where we are at with this. Go ahead, ETP. All right, so <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, I, I, it was it, we was having fun, and I no, 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 no. I I do I do think it's important that we talk about the the seriousness of of this in in certain ways. Like one, all jokes aside, clearly that's a that's a complicated identity situation for this man. It is that he's had to live with for his entire life, right? Whatever that is, however he's managed it. That's a very personal thing. I I have multiple, you know, my my background is a bit of a mosaic. Like I understand racial ambiguity to an extent, <laughs> but I would never get up in front of a microphone and say I've never experienced racism because I absolutely have experienced racism because of the way that I look. But now, if you don't, if you take that the visual aspect out of it, for somebody to have this identity. You can identify whatever you want. You can say, I identify as whatever I want, but the world sees you a certain way and treats you a certain way. So I don't discount the challenges of this man being thrust into the situation 
Fair. For something that's probably very personal for him, right? Yeah. Like, Agreed. very real, very real. That being said, it's it's really, really problematic <laughs> for the NFL to be carding this out and being like, yeah, we just hired a black dude. <laughs> he said his father's black. We ain't never seen no photos, but <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> what he says <laughs> right like like there's no evidence right and it's just like he said they, right, right. they married he said his mom married the his dad ain't see the so wedding photos and I, I, I don't i don't i mean look Present at the, the end photos, of the day I, the i'm not quite i'm not questioning the guy all i'm saying is if you didn't if he didn't tell me anything so there's two cr- pretty critical things he mentioned you ain't you are not black in america if you can honestly get in front of them on a microphone and say, I've never experienced racism. You're not black, period. There's nothing to dispute there. And he did that. And then the other side of it is, he didn't say I'm black. He said, my dad's black. (laughs) So so those two things together just adds, adds a lot more questions. But I also recognize that he didn't ask for this platform. And I thought that he did. Stop saying that. He did. How? Well, because he fixed. He, took the he didn't take, take any picks. The the the, the team the that let him go collected those picks, and that's where the NFL was Wait, like. I messed it up. Wait, why? Why did the team let him go collect the picks? Or the team no, that he hired him? About, Sorry, he, he, he talking about the team that let Brian Flores compensatory go. picks for for them hiring a diversity hire. Well, that's they that's collected the only, some picks. I don't have any problem with this man identifying as white because he looks like he's white. He didn't identify as white. He identified as human. Picture his daddy, but um, nope. You're uh, not gonna find that. No, it's gonna not gonna happen. It? It's not. The point nope. is. The, so here's the my point thing is, is, and I and I and I cut you off, and I apologize for that. No, but I'm just saying good. he's good. He's gonna be who he's gonna be. I can't. He can't help it that if he lives his life, and he and people want to perceive him as a white dude. Do I expect him to run around and tell everybody my dad is black and so I'm, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black? No, he just wants to enjoy his life. However he ra- was raised, I'm sure he's a great person. He was raised however he was raised, and who knows who he was around. He can't control that shit. He feel shame about that? Absolutely not. But do not sign up. <laughs> do not allow them to cash that check. Once you, Because they had no idea who your dad was. They, they yeah, said, but what, but what does he do? Does he come out and be like, yeah, by the way? They know they were hiring a diversity hire. He told but, them. But, he but, them. but they gave the picks. So does he come out and be like, you know, by the way, never really experienced racism, not really a part of the oppressed class. Maybe we shouldn't take those picks. Like, does that is that is that what he comes out and says? I need does to he find do out that? How do they even know that this dude, he doesn't even claim to be black. He didn't check the black box when they hired him. Right? <laughs> He, so when they were in the meeting talking about that motherfucker that, that uh, Flores and talking bad about him and shit, did he get offended? Was he mad when they were talking? Because you know he was in the meeting when they were clowning Flores for what he for what happened. I, I think and that's they probably what called him, him a couple names. Did he get mad? I think that's said, what put we can probably get some picks. I I think that's what put him in a bad spot because the Rachel Dolezal of NFL. Rachel Dolezal, she's just climbing. She's just trying. He's not even man. He I, again. Be who you are, Mike McDaniel's. Don't worry about the world, but do not claim the picks. <laughs> do, not, <laughs> do not claim the picks. He's like, stop benefiting. You ain't been stop to church. Benefiting, you not go up there for communion. You ain't been to church. You ain't got your sacraments. Don't go up there for church for for communion. You can sit in the church, but don't go get communion. Look, I'm okay with 
the Dolphins <laughs> taking advantage of a program put in place to incentivize us to get over this diversity, equity, inclusion issue. My challenge is, is if we are going to use this moment and literally make a mockery of what it means to be a diversity, equity, and inclusion hire. When we've already seen that the Rooney Rule and the incentives put in place to make sure that you have someone whether it be the head coach or a GM, at least in the interview process, has already been made. We made a mockery of that already. And how are we going to follow up? We got Coach McDaniel. We got Coach McDaniel coming to the stage so unprepared to answer a question that that on the heels of, of the two picks, and us now celebrating like we we just scored a touchdown doing the Tootsie Roll because we had a hire that's a diversity hire. We knew this man was going to get this question posed to him. And he steps to the mic and says, identify as human. <laughs> and he says that I guess I also can empathize with OPP, other people's problems. And he also says that I've never experienced racism in America. This the man that you got in that position? Come on, dog. At some point, because I'm also, and I've been very fair when it comes to my friends that have been consistent at the start of the Colin Kaepernick movement. I'm with Cap. They've turned off the television. They said, I'm not watching the NFL anymore. And I said to them, and I'll say it again here. All right, that's one solution. But you got to remember at roughly 70%, of its players being black and all of the people in the front offices that are black and identify several various cultures, all the people that, you know, you think of the economic impact that a, an event like the Super Bowl or just a regular season game has on the economy, whether it be the concessions, the parking, the anybody and everybody that makes money off the NFL is short size. I'm just going to turn the TV off. But this is the moment where, where, I get it. That racist institution. That's what it feels like now. The NFL is, is, is not even implicit anymore. It's explicit. Now you roll him out. This is our diversity hire. And because you hired this man that identifies as a human, you got two extra picks. Man, we on our way. <laughs> that that organization doesn't deserve 120 million views. Not if you're not gonna do right by people. We're going to talk about the Winter Olympics and some of the, the human rights questions surrounding it. This feels like a human rights issue now because that memo subsequent to that complaint filed by that black coach, you reflect on just that wasn't, we ain't talking about 1963. That's 10 days ago. And then this is the interview we hear with this diverse hire. Something ain't right. Something ain't adding up. And now, and I have been frustrated, but now it's like, what do you do with this frustration? And let me let me let me add to that because I think some people who might be listening might be saying, <laughs> might feel some type of way, right? They might look and say, "Well, why why are you guys so mad? Why the reason why you get these picks is because you are in a league where they're not hiring people that that have been discriminated against, who have been." 
told that they couldn't coach because of the skin color and and have not been represented. And now you're going to say, we hired a guy who has been coaching for a while that no one ever knew was black. He says he's never experienced racism. He says his dad is black. He says that everyone else identifies him as white. He just stopped short of saying it because they probably told him not to say that. Don't say but, the W word. Not yeah, a black he, history he started man. to say it and do it. Again, none of those things are bad. I am not going to judge a person by the way that his DNA was born and how his hair is straight, whatever. That's That's him. God bless him. We could come to the barbecue if he wants to. But I'm just saying you you can't give them a reward for doing something like it's brave. I mean, they went and did, they stepped out and they got a guy from one oppressed. He told you he's not in anything oppressed. He's never been through that situation. So how do you get the who called us out? I'm getting these picks. <laughs> you know, affirmative action. One of the, and I'm not gonna let, let us get derailed on this, but affirmative action has helped non-blacks more than anything else, right? There's been more people who have uh, affirmative action was thought of to be something to help African-American people make it and get ahead. But there's been more uh, white women that have used it. There's been more right. shell companies by, you know, in in in, uh, in uh, Chicago, if you want to get a, a marijuana license to sell at a store, they want you to have uh, a black person on the board. There is more rich white dudes who found a black dude that they throw out there in front of that thing so that they can milk all the money and find a way to shuffle it out than anything. So this is on the lines of an affirmative action type situation where it's like, okay, you hired this, so we're going to give you these bet, these picks, and you guys wouldn't got to do who nobody, knew, no one knew. Like all his players was like, you black? <laughs> you kidding me? Everybody in the world thinking, I never heard you say that. Your daddy ain't on Facebook on the internet, no place. <laughs> he definitely doesn't come out there. So he came from McDaniel came from the uh, he came from the uh, 49ers. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Debo Samuel got to be out of his dog on mine. He's like, "What? The- Coach was black." <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that. It, it's just weird to me, man. And and we got to move on just because you know time is getting away from us. But uh, we ask everyone, a live audience, please like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe. Weigh in. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's when you hear that interview. And if you haven't seen it, we showed it here. We can't show it again. Go and do yourself a favor. Google Mike. McDaniel interview where he identifies not as black, not as white, but as a human. And he separates himself from all of those people who identify as a Martian. But what he didn't do is further the narrative that the NFL is doing something about a problem it has on his hand. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. And in this week, with that memo and this lawsuit, the NFL's got a problem on his hand, guys. And uh, look, you can hire me. I'll go ahead and be an executive one of these doggone uh, franchises. But it's time you start bringing in people, man, because it, it's all about uh, the owners and the decision makers relating to the coaches, right? That's what, what Ross talked about, the Dolphins. And even here, I officially know, and, and the Big Flow Show, you a little nicer than me. You didn't invite them to the, the barbecue. I officially know I don't want to I hang with him. Somebody that says nah, you know, I identify as human. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess I empathize with other people's problems. We're not kicking it, dog. We're not hanging together. What should he have said? I guess is is I I don't know what he should have said, but by I think he should have been prepared. I think whatever (laughs) he he wanted to say should have been written down, practiced. He should have said it in a mirror with bass in his voice, with conviction in his heart. 
but but you can't get up there scrambling trying to figure out who you are. You a grown man, dog. We didn't ask. Hey, look, man, he didn't want to say I'm white because he felt like at that time it'd be disrespectful to his dad. But let's be honest, you can't. It sounds like his mom and dad. I think maybe they found out some paternity issues, and that's why the daddy left. But that's just the, that's the conspiracy <laughs> guy in me. So just because she said that's your daddy, we all know some people that think that's your daddy. <laughs> Maury Povich, we gotta get Maury Povich on the case. We gotta get Maury Povich. Coach, I apologize. But all I'm gonna say is this. for the big flow show. You didn't question whether or not that's really the man, Dad. I don't know his mom where she was 38 years. How old is he? However many years ago, I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> but my point is this. I can't be mad at this dude, man. He grew up a certain way. He grew up with his mom. Maybe I mean, again, I have biracial children, right? If I wasn't in their life and they just grew up around my wife's people and they weren't around or whatever, and, you know, they both look black. But at the same time, like, you start to have identity issues when you don't have a strong family. I can't put that on him. If he grew up in a situation where everyone treated him and accepted him to be white and he never was around black people and he never was around his black side of the family to get it, I see where he doesn't even feel comfortable saying he's black, right? Fair. I can't be mad at him for that because he he's going to walk around. I'm not mad just, at him. I'm yeah, not mad at him. He's going to walk around. So he's like, I, I'm a human. He didn't know what else to say. He didn't want to say he was white because he knew that that would be a bombshell. He couldn't say he didn't feel comfortable saying he's black because he's never said that in his whole life. He well, had, he he had, had to give he, those picks back. That's why he didn't say and, he was white. He right? he <laughs> like, we go, we go, we so go here. We go here. We want to keep these picks. I don't know the man. I'm not going to dog the man. First season. I could use those picks. I'm not <laughs> mad at you, man. Multicultural. Multicultural. Like, you know how, like, you have a multicultural center on a college campus. That's the only time I hear multicultural. I've never heard a human. I know what to say, man. I've never heard a human. I'm a quick call him human. I've never heard a human describe himself yeah. as multicultural. But, but, it, but if, if, if nobody can, can articulate what would have been a fully acceptable response? Like I have to sit there and be like, he said what he, he you know, he, it was it was he Come fumbled on. it no. a little bit. ETP. But ETP. First he, of all, he he protected the shield. He protected the shield. Protected the draft. He picks. protected the shield, and he didn't. You know, he addressed it right. Like I don't know what more he could have done in that situation. Because like, right. can I ask? What you do this? you do? What do you do? Do you think? Do you think? As the hire, the new hire of the Miami Dolphins on the heels of Brian Flores being fired on the heels of the memo that written by Roger Goodell expresses they had diversity, equity, inclusion issues. Do you think that Coach McDaniel, I'm going to go all out. My brother, I'm going to call my brother. Hey, I'm going to a little rock with it. That's our brother. Do you think our brother, Coach McDaniel, was caught off guard by a question related to his diversity. Was he caught off guard by that? I, I don't think he was. I Yes and no. Yes and no. Hell no. He knew that question was coming. Of course. Of course. He knew it was coming because it was it was already being asked before he got up to that podium. However. Don't you, so, so maybe it wasn't. I don't know. The but, 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 you, but, but, but none of us. Be prepared. But be prepared. But. I don't know that there's anything that he could have said in his situation that would have been more effective than that. Anything else he said more definitively might have put him in a bad situation. Because if he said, you know what, he he danced around it. He was like, basically, I'm white, but I'm not going to tell you I'm white because if I say I'm white, we lose those picks. And also, <laughs> the NFL looks bad. And like, I'm just getting started in this coaching game. I can use those picks. 
But if he, he said I'm like, black, then everybody mad black people would be like, yo, Doug, let's be real. You can't say you didn't experience racism and say you're black. So here, he, he could have I don't know it. that he could have said something better. I you think he what? said like, he, he said it felt it felt it felt authentic. And I, like I said, is this my? I can't hear the microphone. He could have been like, (laughs) he could have purposely pulled the the cord. This feed is done. Uh, you know, look, uh, Marshawn Lynch would show up and say, I'm only here so I don't get fined. That would have been better than what he said. He said a whole bunch of stuff that offended everybody white people, black people, people that are biracial, multicultural. He offended. Multicultural centers on college campuses because they like you don't refer to <laughs> humans that way. He offended Martians because he said, No, I identify as a human. Like, who doesn't identify as a human? What he could have said, he could have stepped up to the mic and said, I am a man, I'm a family man. This is my family structure. My father is black. So, at the in the most technical terms, I'm a black man. But to be honest, in this country that struggles with identifying humans. To be honest, I've lived a life that has not identified me as being black. I am proud of my father, and I am proud to know that I am connected with a struggle that is bigger and better than me. I made that up just here on the fly. That's better than what he said, man. Like you gotta at some point take a stand and 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 being on the on on the right side of history about people. Like if you're into diversity, which you should be, if indeed your daddy did marry your mama and he is black. You should be on the side of, of, of being pro-opportunity for people that haven't had opportunities, especially now that the Miami Dolphins have gotten the picks and they are calling you a diverse hire. But you got to be at least prepared for the question is all I'm saying, man. You got to be at least prepared for the question. You got an agent. You, you're paying somebody a percentage to, to, to negotiate your contract. They could have hired a PR person and say, you know you're going to get this question. How are you going to answer it? The one thing you can't get up there and do is say, I identify as a, a human, and I guess I empathize essentially with OPP, other people's problems. But ain't nobody calling me black. Come on, man. Come on. But what what did what did you I mean, the way you presented it, obviously much better packaging. But how is that different than what he said? Because it it you it, 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 it to me, it adds he said identify as a human. And gave the most inhumane response to a people that have been oppressed in this particular country. But more importantly, because that's not his fight. More importantly, have been oppressed in the same system that is now rewarding you with the ever uh, 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 elusive opportunity of head coach. That's been the ever elusive opportunity for black folk in the doggone NFL. He could have just been more, more humane and understanding for that plight. That's all I'm saying. That's all I wanted him to do, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, they're going to ask him at some point on the spot. Hey, look, you know, it was three minutes left. You guys were up by four. What you know? What prompted you to be in a zero coverage? You got to answer tough questions on the spot because after you lost that game for being in the wrong coverage, they want to know what happened. So the same man that you are expecting to be able to answer those tough questions should be able to answer a question that I don't think is very tough. It's just a humane understanding of the situation that the NFL is in. And oh, by the way, young brother, you benefited. From that system, That's I all. think it's a very tough question for him to answer, and I and I and I empathize for him having to answer that question. I got, I got some friends that don't look like the race that they are, or don't look like the family members that they are, and it's been an identity situation, which I think is tough, and I can appreciate that you got to go through it. 
just don't sign up for the benefit that, of a life you know you if you <laughs> don't feel comfortable problem. getting on that microphone and saying i am black right then you cannot sign up if you if you don't feel comfortable in front of these people and your family whatever to say i'm black i know i don't look it but i'm black if you if you can't out there and say I'm black, I'm still black. Like, I'm black, but I'm the white version of black. I, I would have been something. Look, I got straight hair, do whatever, but yeah, my, I'm, I'm the black. white my daddy's version. Black. Black. If he had got on there and said that, my daddy's black and I'm black. I love my dad. He's my father. I'm black. I know I don't look black. I don't care, but I'm black. I'm cool. But he couldn't feel comfortable saying that, which I'm not telling him he should feel comfortable saying it. Because he's but been because you don't feel comfortable saying that, you can't sign up for. The, the 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 extra you can't get he's, the benefit for that he's you can't life, even say that on the microphone he spent a life benefiting from all the privileges of not being black yeah. and that is where i do That's agree fine. with you uh etp he was authentic Let, let's move on man uh, <laughs> we can talk about this all day uh very very good exchange thank you gentlemen for that uh and it is complicated all right so just check that box it's complicated um i i, I have to get into this man because the nba trade deadline was yesterday and we saw some um, not-so-exciting trades, but there's a very, 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 very exciting trade that we got to talk about. Uh, any of the not-so-exciting trades that that tickle your fancy, worth talking about it, Christoph Porzingis was traded. Uh, anybody who is not a part of the big deal that everyone knows about in the NBA, is it any other trades worth talking about you guys wanted to allude to before we get to the big deal? I I not any specifically, but just the 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 way that a lot of these execs have like gutted their teams, like Indiana and Sacramento and obviously the Wizards. The, the Wizards started the off Wizards. ten to three. They gutted their team. Like gut gutting their teams. Like there's no building process anymore. Like it's literally it's February, dog. Like we're sixty games in or whatever it is, and we're talking about retooling the whole squad. Like. The, the league is different now. Like there is there is no longevity to anything with the league. The only the only uh thing that's constant is change. Like we're in February, like we're talking playoff runs, and you're retooling the entire organization. Like the entire CJ McCollum leaves Portland, goes to New Orleans. They're banking on Ingram and Zion, who hasn't been on the court this year. Like it's 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 out of it's it's out of hand how temporary all of it is. Like there's no I I don't have I can't root for a team to be like that's my team because there's so much movement like overhauls complete overhauls mid season like you, you never saw this before. You know you know what that sounded like oddly an old man. <laughs> we all we identify we identify as old man. We we own ours. Uh, it sounds a lot like what college sports are coming with this doggone transfer report. It sounds like free agency, but I, mm. I, I take your point. Anything on the low end of the spectrum worth talking about for you, the Big Flow Show, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the trade deadline? No, I was just trying to refresh myself. I don't see anything that uh, earth and I don't think my boy Lakers didn't make a move. So I thought Westbrook. for sure they were going to get Westbrook up out of there. Yeah, they, they stayed I, I, put. They, they happy tried. as I think is. they tried. They tried. Nobody um, <laughs> I would have took him, man. Hey, my AAU team need a dog on slasher. We would have took him. They, they Lakers should have went ahead and got your boy. Uh, the one we about to talk about. I digress. <laughs> well, let's get into it then. Because the trade of all trades yesterday happened when 
James Harden and his beard and his what we thought was a, a fat bodysuit, but he's gotten right back to that weight in Brooklyn. Uh, I, I said it on this show. How could a single man not like Brooklyn? But for some reason, James didn't like it. Uh, and he said, I, I don't know, the environment, the situation. So he found his way out. Uh, and Brooklyn had to move because they knew James Harden was not going to re-sign with them next year. So it's either move now and get something for him or wait until after the season, and you're sitting there holding the bag. So it was James Harden and Paul Millsap from uh, Brooklyn are going to Philadelphia. And the 76ers uh, sent Ben Simmons, who too uh, has not been on – he hasn't been on the court all year. Uh, James Harden hasn't been on the court last several games. So you got Ben Simmons, uh, Seth Curry. Uh, that's the younger brother of the other Curry. Uh, Andre Drummond, and then you get two first-round picks going to Brooklyn. Uh, so let's just talk about it, man. I think, you know, the 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 overhaul society, which is the NBA from the executive side, similarly on the player side is this ain't my team. These ain't my boys that I'm going to grow with and, and build into, and we're going to figure out how to win. The days of, you know, Jordan waiting for the Chicago Bulls to come the Bulls are over. The days of – you know, the the Pistons uh, doing it by uh, subsequent drafts and then becoming the bad boys are over. The closest thing we've had to that is Golden State. And I think that's why the, there's so much fanfare for Golden State. From the player side, if it ain't working, if this ain't working, I'm going to get my hat, my coat, and I'm about to leave. <laughs> and James Harden, uh, you know, not even a full two years after he left, is leaving again. So where where are we going with it from here? Uh, what do you think about the trade? And you know who who won the trade? I think it was a win win trade. You know, um, at the end of the day, the 76ers are better because basically the trade was Harden for for Curry, right? So that's a better trade. But I think Harden just I mean you have a championship level talent at the Nets. I think Harden obviously people are going to say was a big part of it, but Harden is just if you just look at his history, he's just not the kind of guy that can go in these playoff games and close out a series and win. It's not, he can't really, Harden is never going to be comfortable. He played with KD once before, right? And it didn't work out. He had to get up out of there. He right. has to be the man and, and him being the man isn't good enough to, to make it to a, a conference championship. So I think getting him out of there and putting Steph Curry in there, who's going to be, um, uh, sorry, um, whatever, uh, Curry. Seth um, Curry. Huh? Yeah. Seth, Seth Curry. Don't Steph, worry. I'm mistake. sure his parents do the same thing. They call him yeah, Steph, my fault. Steph. Seth and Steph. Seth Come on now. You know, I got a lisp. But uh, so Seth, I mean, he's gonna go, he's gonna be all the shooter that they need him to be. Um, without the without the me first attitude that is gonna go along with it. I think Ben Simmons suddenly is gonna come out of his depression, not to make any light about mental health, but suddenly we're gonna find that he doesn't have a problem playing in front of people, and he's gonna come out there and they're not going to ask him to shoot because they got shooters on the team. They're not going to be mad. So he can just do what he wants to do, drive to the basket, be a defender, um, be a transition guy. I think that they're a better team now. And then the picks, I mean, ultimately I would think the Nets kind of won because they got picks with that stuff and, you know, everyone's also involved, but just as far as on the court, the I think stipulations that, yeah. to is conditional picks, but yes, yeah, two, but I would think it's a, win, I think it's a win-win run. trade. I think both teams are better than they were yesterday. Because of the fact that Ben Simmons wasn't going to play for the 76ers. And that's been the the, the sentiment that I've been hearing more. Um, either both teams got better or, or 
you know, there's smaller camps that think Philly won because he, you know, James Harden playing with Joel Embiid, who if you had to vote for MVP today, based on the last two months, Joel Embiid is probably the MVP. Um, and and look, they were getting a, a total of zero productivity from Ben Simmons because he was on the sidelines. So so you know, there's a camp that says that that, that Philly won because it, it's an NBA that's about win now, and they're in position to win now. Uh, there's a camp that, that looks at it a little more long term and say Brooklyn won, right? Because you get two prolific scores in, in Kevin Durant and Kyrie, and now you get a, a, a player in Ben Simmons from an athletic standpoint that doesn't uh, need to score. Um, but is dynamic in every way, can get to the basket and can defend one through five. So there's people that say the Brooklyn one. But it's been a growing sentiment that that both teams got better. Uh, ETP, I'll let you weigh in before we look at like the the nuances behind it. Because if both teams won, I still think the NBA lost. I still think the fans lost. Sort of piggybacking off what ETP said is like at some point, like I was really looking forward to the big three playing together in Brooklyn, right? And they only played together maybe 30 games in 16. two years. 16. Was it only 16? 16. <laughs> Even though I, I, I gave him too much credit. Um, Get his ass out of here. <laughs> you know? I know, he but it, that quick, you're like, nah, this ain't working. I'm out. And, and, I, and I said, ETP, I made the comparison to the transfer portal because uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron uh, Matu, I can't ever say that, Matu, um, is – on record this week saying that the transfer portal is ruining college football. He talked about the players that he sat behind, Patrick Peterson and um, and the corner that went to Dallas, escaped my name, the Claiborne. Um, and he talked about how that made him a better player, being around dogs and waiting for his opportunity. And it's just maybe, again, at the, the risk of sounding old, I don't think the, the NBA players are trying to wait. They're not trying to wait to win. They want to do it right now. And Harden is like, look, man, Kyrie only playing half the game. Uh, and and we, you know, we were close to winning last year, but we didn't win. I'm not happy. I'm gonna take my ball and go to Philadelphia. It just seems it's something wrong here, man. I'll let you have last word with ETP. So I don't nece- necessarily think that it's a win-win. I think Brooklyn came up in the whole situation with draft picks the the thing the ultimate what's really going to decide how successful this trade was for anybody is what Seth Curry does in the playoffs like we have plenty of examples Ray Allen won a championship in the corner like d- distance shooting is critical in the playoffs and James Harden is critical condition in the playoffs so because of that i see what you did there and i like it (laughs) so because of that i i don't know that i can look at this and say oh philly just got so much better yeah they gave up a dead asset in in ben simmons but they gave up they gave up an important distance shooting threat brooklyn brooklyn came up they got picks they got a they got a lights out shooter that can that can swing it and they got andre drummond so they got a big under the basket and fresh legs. <laughs> and yeah, like and and they're deep. They're even deeper than they were. And James Harden is damaged goods. Like he's been damaged goods for like 3 years. Maybe he maybe he recovers, maybe he takes off the fat suit, maybe he has no more hamstring injuries, maybe he finds the fountain of youth. 
but your man has been injured more than he has that, been look, healthy. Look, I'm well, looking he right is, now, I'm trying to look up his stats. And he's averaging like 20, 20. I think he's averaging 28 and 10. He's got his stats. Wait, hold on a second. Of the games, <laughs> four games. February <laughs> uh -oh. 10th, zero <laughs> games, zero minutes played. Eighth, zero minutes. Sixth, zero minutes. Fourth, zero minutes. February 2nd, 37 Hamstring. minutes, four points. February 1st, 37 minutes, 22 points. 29th, zero minutes. 26th, zero minutes. The 25th, 30, uh, 33 points. So, yeah, he might be averaging that over the few games he played, but he's giving you four games over the last 12 games. He, I think here. James he plays Harden less, it, man. Ben he plays less than somebody that can can legally cannot play. <laughs> like He plays but, less than Kyrie Irving, who legally can't play. In but James, games. Harden, James Harden was on his <laughs> on his how to get out of here tour. So he chose the hamstring. Out of here. That is the age-old muscle that you choose, right? Anybody want to fake? When you're racing somebody and you know you're going to lose, first thing you do is grab your hamstring. He knew he was losing here. He didn't feel as though he was in the position to win right now. I am not justifying what he is doing because it's the second time he's done it. He's been persona non grata in Houston too. The way he got out of there was just like, dog, you got a contract. You got obligations, man. He just did the same thing in Brooklyn. Dog, like there's a fan base that's really rooting for you, man. He don't care. So, but he ain't alone when it comes to finding interesting ways to get out of his, his contractual obligations. All right, so he got out of there, not surprising at all. And he's gonna, he's gonna, his bank account's gonna do very well because of the decision. Let's look at Ben Simmons though, because that's somebody else that I mean, Philly wasn't getting anything out of it. Is the concept of mental health because Ben Simmons used, you know, while, while, while James Harden went to the age old hamstring, Ben Simmons used a really delicate topic mental health. We all are a part of, 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 you know, not only barbershop conversations, but we're in these group texts where we're going back and forth arguing about nothing because we love sports. And my latest rant, I was saying in one of the group texts that I get it. I get it. Like, your mans that they, I don't know if they overlap and play together. They both went to Mount Verde. There's a Mount Verde connection between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They came Together, they've been the front court, back court duo that was supposed to win a championship in Philly. Your man throws you under the bus because Joel Embiid's had a good time just making fun of Ben Simmons. And he didn't shun the opportunity to make fun of him yesterday. He tweeted out a meme that basically was a shot at Ben Simmons. And your coach is supposed to have your back. They put him on a microphone. And he can't even say that you're gonna be back starting. Like he don't, he don't come to your defense at all. He like, man, let me move out the way while this dog gonna bust hit this boy in the oh, that was ugly. And he had front row seats to it. So if the two people, the other superstar that you've been paired with, the coach that they brought in, right? Because they thought under his tutelage, you guys would win. The two people that are most instrumental into the success of that organization, as you see it, throw you under the proverbial bus. We know that how Philly fans can be. We know that that fan base is crazy. So that part wasn't surprising to me. But in the biggest moment, right back to the big game, you came up the smallest. 
And you threw some gas on the fire because those two people that are supposed to be the instrumental pillars in your development as a player throw you under the bus, that could lead to mental health issues. Whereas you might not ever want to play with them again. So am I being a little too open-minded when it comes to interpreting Ben Simmons attributing mental health to his reason for not playing? Or does he have something here? I asked both of you. No, like, no, dog. If it was if it was a mental health issue from the beginning, then you talk about it being a mental health issue. It was a contractual loophole is how it how it looked as an observer, seeing the negotiations play out in public. It was a way to exploit a contractual loophole so that he didn't have to relinquish his pre-earned salary. So he still gave up like 20 million in uh fees and and yeah he got hit he got hit for sure but at the time when when it when mental health became a conversation it wasn't the lead it wasn't the headline it wasn't the starting point it was i don't want to play here anymore however that being said it's always a mental health issue like james Harden has a mental health issue he's not happy in in brooklyn that's a mental health issue there's mental health issues that happen in business decisions all the time Every single decision has mental health associated with it because you're making the best decision for yourself. Fair. So, so the idea that this is something where he needs to be protected, sure. But it's what's re- it's what's required and expected of everybody. In when when you're talking that many O's, like it's the nature of the beast. So, Fair. so if he so if he's gonna if he's gonna lean on that mental health. It's very hard for me to ride with you. I, I fully support anybody that has mental health challenges that is being Oh, I can tell by what it. you just said. I can tell you fully support anybody that has mental <laughs> but, health challenges. But that was a right. disclaimer. That's the, you know, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but don't sit here. But when you, I can't ride with you heavy when you say, I got mental health issues and it's really just geographically based. <laughs> I can't, I can't play in this town. But I could do everything else in any other town. <laughs> because and I'm in that, straight. But 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 I'm just allergic fair, to cheesesteaks or whatever. <laughs> but it but to be fair, in that town meant that he had to play with those people that to me were gas on the fire, as I just described it, to what he claims triggered triggered his mental health issues. Big Flow Show, what say you? You know, I go back to to the uh to the McDaniel thing. It's like you know, don't claim the mental health issues. Just try to get out for this bread, right? Don't just claim for some extra draft picks. Just try to get the draft. Don't try to get the benefit and say the mental health thing. Like, if you didn't want to talk about mental health in the beginning, don't just claim it now. It's not fair to the people who actually have mental health issues that that people have strived so far to get acceptance and stuff. I can't say for sure he ain't got it, but when he stumps, <laughs> if he plays tonight, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> If he doesn't have an easy period, if he out there tonight, he's and he's gonna be shooting threes. He's got like he's, yeah, he's taking like jumper. ten threes. He's even working on his jumper. I'm gonna have a hard time believing it. He he got to at least go on the court a couple times and be like, I can't do this. And they have to get out there. come out in a wheelchair, Paul Pierce right, status. Okay, let like, me try. But if he just come running out there like, hey, let's go, dunk I'm the first ball him. he get. I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna let y'all know. I'm rooting for him. <laughs> do I think it was kind of questionable? and very opportunistic to call it a mental health issue, yes. But I also think that 
under the circumstances I just described with those with that coach and that teammate in that city not having your back when you're at the lowest point in your basketball career such that you wouldn't even dunk a wide open dunk right only because you were afraid to get fouled and go to the foul line it is the it's the way they call it, the, the gips they call it the or the twisties it's he had a moment and yeah, maybe he associates those people with that moment because when they put the microphone in Doc's face, Doc didn't have his back. And B was over there firing off memes. All I'm saying is I'm rooting for the brother, man. Uh, either way, they both got out conveniently. Uh, the question, who won the trade? I'm going to go with, with – with, uh, I think Brooklyn won it. And maybe that's because I try to look at things more more long term with the picks. Uh, but in, in addition to that, I don't know that James Harden can play through a big man. I mean, I think the pick and roll will work, but Embiid that means that moves Embiid away from the basket more and doing a lot more movement. Which he also we we, we talk about, you know, Anthony Davis and his his proclivity to get injured. Embiid gets hurt a lot. So I don't know if moving away from the basket, uh, he gets hurt a lot and he takes and settles with bad shots a lot. So I don't know if moving away from the basket is going to work. I think, and if I had to say in near term, who won for this season, I see where the argument could be made for Philly, especially with the way Embiid is playing. Um, but I also agree with you in the near term, uh, Brooklyn could do well too. You know, Joel Harris is out. Joel Harris is out. So, uh, uh, you know, Seth Curry being able to make those big shots, I think, will be helpful. And Ben Simmons being able to guard one through five, I think, is you know, not too many people on the planet Earth can be six foot ten, six foot eleven point guard and guard that well, be that athletic. So, um, I didn't answer it, uh, but I gave every reason why I couldn't answer it. I, I understand it. Why I, I can't it's decide. Brooklyn, it's straight. Brooklyn, dog. There's no. You think there's Brooklyn? Nothing. But what if Philly goes on a run and wins it, man? Because, I mean, if Embiid is MVP right now, you add uh, James Harden. While we're talking about his statistical output from a scoring perspective, his decision-making as a point guard has taken off. He has became become a true point guard. Uh, what if they win it? You know, you got to give it to – I'm going to go with a let's see. Let's wait and see. I'll, I'll give it a let's see, but – we know the track record. It'll all be decided in the postseason. And I have a very strong feeling that that deficiency or that that void of, of distance shooting in, in clutch moments and expecting James Harden to fill that gap, which he's never been able to fill, it'll, it'll play itself out. In this episode of the big game, it does come down to the big game. Um, ben Simmons came up short, and but let's not let's not give uh a James Harden a pass. He's he came up short, and this is why on the thread with these outstanding, uh, successful brothers who live in the same suburb uh, that I do. This is why I said what I said because I think we're giving a pass to some other people. B, we giving a pass to Joel Embiid because you know while he played well in the playoffs, right? They came up just short, so we needed a few more plays. And his injuries over his career has been a reason why Philadelphia keeps coming up short. We're giving a pass to see uh, uh, my man, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers distanced himself from, from, from Ben Simmons when asked the questions, but Doc Rivers then came up short a lot too. Dare I try to, to, to belittle a black coach on this show, especially after we got Mike McDaniels. <laughs> Say what he says, but the, 
my daddy black I, I i identify as human but but doc rivers came up a little short too so that's why i'm I'm cheering for ben simmons man y'all threw that man under the bus at a time where locker room code says you gotta have my back you know the whole philly sit the whole city of philly and the philly fandom is, is blaming it on me you gotta have my back dog even if you don't believe it publicly have my back no that's not a code violation of any no, you gotta show up yeah you gotta, you gotta even show up that's a yeah, hard thing just, to. You quit on that, my team. You quit on the team like that. You left us butt naked with all the damn salary room we got over here. No, no, he Joel quit. Got to be fact. point guard, he, center, power forward, small forward, shooting guard. He got to do all that stuff because you left me alone. I'm talking clowning you. Bring your ass to. to nah, he didn't moment. quit till after the fact. Let's make sure at least sequentially the timeline is right. Now he did quit on them after the fact, but this whole controversy that he has now said has meant has led to his mental health issues started right after that game when he was the smallest he could be in the big game. And they was just like, we move back. How you going to handle this? And he handled it like a, a young man trying to figure it out. He's still, what, 25 years old? Got a lot of basketball in front of him. That's what makes me think Brooklyn did very well in this trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the other half did, James Harden, and in, in easing his way out and having a hamstring issue was made very uh poignant in 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 the draft in the all-star selection draft i don't know if you guys saw it. kd and lebron are drafting their teams they draft the starters and then they draft the uh reserves who's going to be the backups and it comes down to kd needing to decide between rudy gobert and james harden and you know you got the whole tnt uh, ernie and chuck and Kenny and Shaq up there, they're having a good old time. Uh, but then after LeBron uh, picks, but he really doesn't pick, right? He gets the last pick. The last pick on the board is James Harden, so it goes to LeBron. LeBron then says, well, what happens if he can't play? He's hurt, right? He hasn't been playing. And they say, by way of Charles, oh, no, he's going to be all right now. He's going to put some ice out on that thing. He's going to be just fine. They all manipulated their way out of it. But but so that was a, a to make light of it was fun. But the process itself to watch how you got your two anchor players drafting the starters, then the reserves in this fantasy sports crazy society we live in. Um, it's got something to it because we start talking about the NBA All Star Game getting out of control because no one played defense. I mean the scores are like two hundred to two hundred and two. Like, you're not, you ain't supposed to be able to score that many points. People moving out of the way for high-flying dunks. There'll be some element of the, of that. But but by setting up this way, I think they're on to something. Whereas the NFL Pro Bowl, if you watched that last Sunday, it was a mockery of football. It was a mockery of football. We and I don't know that the Pro Bowl survives very much longer. What do you guys think? Yes or I no? This- I said the skills competition thing was pretty cool. I didn't get a lot of it. They should have put that a little bit more. I know that died. Years ago, there was a uh, – I think he was a running back for maybe the Patriots. Blew his knee out when they were playing sand sand uh, football. Yeah. And I they, think they, were playing, they were playing volleyball, I think, or, or something in the sand. Something in the sand. Out. He blew his knee out real yeah. bad never played again. So I think that they went away from the skills competition. I think they can find some more skill stuff. But we can't watch touch football. I mean, that's, that's a bad walkthrough. I wouldn't go – you know what I'm saying? I don't watch practice. When we do that stuff and I'm coaching – I, I go do other things when we're going through that that, that pity pack crap. <laughs> we're not touching. That's terrible. I don't I don't think it dies. You got to bring it back though. But 
What should just no be one... a name? Instead of being Pro Bowl, you get the designation of being a Pro Bowl selectee. But... All Pro Weekend. Just call it All yeah, Pro, all pro weekend. weekend. Y'all go out there, you take pictures, throw parties. That's what you're doing anyway. I mean, the game is the most ins- insignificant part of the entire experience. Of all anyway. professional sports. So, I don't know. But but the sure. NBA, I think, seems to have it right. Uh, ETP, what do you think? Pro Bowl stays or goes? I mean, at this point, like, they showed a play with Alvin Kamara. Like, Alvin Kamara got... He was more physical with the guy in the club the night Stop. before Don't getting a battery charge, allegedly, than he was on the football field. You know, like they, it's, they pillow fighting out there. You think it stays or goes, ETP? I think they're going to continue to do it, but I don't think they should. Like it's, it's they're trying to maintain a tradition that's like really not successful. It's 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 a good trip. It's still a good trip for whoever wants to go. But you see folks that are turning down the invitations at this point. They're like, I'm I'm way richer than a Hawaii trip now. Like it doesn't right. this doesn't really entice me much. Nobody's nobody's trying to jeopardize their career for an all star game. There's no Sean Taylor truck stick hits out there. It's not happening. So that should have been illegal. That should have been a battery. I hit that punter. That wasn't that's right. Why <laughs> Rest in peace, Sean Taylor. But that wasn't right the way you hit that man. But it, uh, hey man, play whistle to whistle, right? Whistle like to whistle. that's how it goes. So yeah, I, I, I think they need to I think they just need to, you know, name the all stars of the season, but having a game is just it's not here, helping here, anybody. Here's what I'll say, because uh, we got we to gotta wind down again on out. It's been a long show. Here's what I'll say is when it comes to basketball, the number of all-star teams and first-team all-NBA has been very rich and involved uh, when you're in the barbershop and their legacy conversations. Mm. I think the NFL players are moving away from even being concerned about legacy. Like, like you see players – you know, we talked about Andrew Luck on this show. We see players retiring before they could even get to, like, Andrew Luck's not going to make it to the Hall of Fame. He didn't care. Right. Um, I think the, the 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 science behind it and the health concerns, players are starting to be not, they're not going to completely ignore legacy, but it's becoming a lot less important than it is in basketball. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, you got, you got star athletes opting out of major bowl games in college and you think they're going to play in a, a pro bowl. Like the, 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 the trend of the behavioral trend is starting very young where it's right. like calculate your risks and protect your investment. And we do it here, man. I opted out of a Zoom this week because I was just, I was thinking it was just going to be too physical, man. Too I was like, yeah, I need to go get a massage, baby. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. So I opted out. I'm good. Yeah, y'all go ahead and do that, man. I'm trying to protect my assets. Uh, Winter Olympics, man. Let's Lisa talk about it because Winter Olympics is being hosted in China. China is ripe with atrocities when it comes to human rights. Right. Human rights issues. And so there are five multinational companies. We'll, we'll, we'll call them U.S. companies that are in the top tier of sponsors for this 2022 Winter Olympics being hosted in China, which a lot of people wanted companies to boycott uh, because of their alleged mistreatment of people. And those companies are Airbnb, Coca-Cola, Procter Gamble, Visa, Intel, and I'll ask you just generally, and this is yes or no, do you think these companies got it right? Because if you look at the, the the millions and millions of eyeballs that will see these brands 
And being in the top tier means, you know, Coca-Cola can use the Olympic rings on their cans or, you know, Airbnb can you the, you can use the Olympic rings. Do you think that they got it right because of the business opportunity or did they get it wrong because of the statement that they could have made from a human rights standpoint? Uh, I know it's a delicate balance, but but, you know, these same companies have been a little quiet more quiet when it comes to the commercials here stateside um because of that other half of it is that how can you support uh china when they're treating people the way that they do uh i'll start with you on this etp uh quick and dirty answer but i think important for us to get to yeah it's i mean it's it, from a sponsorship standpoint it's interesting because this isn't the only Olympics. This isn't the only event that these companies, these are essentially perennial sponsors, right? So the idea that they're going to sever a relationship because of the location, sever a relationship with this organization because of the location that this edition of the event is taking place, it's not going to happen. They have a longstanding relationship, right? So to expect them to sever ties when they've there's plenty of human rights issues to go around <laughs> like right. this isn't the first conversation to have <laughs> there's there's enough we can we could come up with a with an argument for never having an olympics in any country like there's no there's no shortage of of uh causes right. to fight for so so it's just hard to expect that these sponsors are all of a sudden going to draw a line in the sand when a lot of them are doing good business in china as well right like Fair. That's a big part of their business, their growth strategy, all of that. That being said, even being quiet, I don't think it's a matter of them being quiet as much as their budgets are spread thin. Super Bowl is in three days. Their sponsors, they're, they're taking out advertising commercials right. on the networks in the U.S. And the, got, summer, and the Summer Olympics and just, was a year delayed, right? And the Summer Olympics is six months removed. So right. those budgets, <laughs> those marketing budgets have to get shifted around. And and historically, it doesn't snow in a good portion of the world. <laughs> so in terms of the popularity of the Winter Olympics, yeah, you got the Jamaican bobsled team and you got some unique entries into the competition. But for the most part, the majority of the world never even seen what these people are skating or skiing on. Right. So so the so the marketing value the marketing value of that opportunity is low but then you add on this human rights thing then you add on that their budgets have been stretched cuz they're taking out super bowl ads you expect it but i never i would never expect a capitalist corporation to turn their back on an organization that's global that has helped them sell a ton of widgets for the past 40 years or or soda or right microchips or whatever they have for sale well, this is why we asked ETP. Uh, I think that our crew is very dynamic. ETP uh, has an amazing amount of experience and, and has done some amazing things when it comes to branding and marketing. So that's why I asked. But I, I, I would push back, and I hear you saying that from a human rights perspective, there's so many opportunities to speak up for what's right. Um, and I push back just, just because... Uh, Brother Baysmore says, I tell it we need a boycott of American sponsors when we have a problem with the NFL. I think that, you know, on the the heels of a month removed from, you know, when this country celebrates our Martin Luther King Jr. Day, he says the time is always right to do what's right. Um, I'm pushing back 
on that notion and i'm pushing back on my own embrace of capitalism such as that you have to take the eyeballs and take the opportunity and go with it um because if not then i think these type of of atrocities whether it be human rights question in china or whether it be diversity in the nfl i think they continue so you know i, I don't know where it starts obviously these five companies didn't think it starts with the olympic the international olympic committee and this this 22 uh winter olympics hosted in, in china they didn't they don't feel like it starts there um and with 120 million tv sets that will be tuned in to the nfl I know that they didn't have any challenge selling ad space and commercials because of so many eyeballs. So I don't think that that comes, you know, start there, but it just feels as though, man, we're fighting uphill. So where, where do we start? Uh, I'll, I'll give you last word on it. The big flow show, yeah, make I, it, make it a quick one. If you don't mind, so we can move. I'll to make the next it real time. quick. I think, I think this, this, this is a numbers game. It's 329 million people in the United States. It's 1.4 billion in China. China is as petty as country you've ever met in your life. If they have a problem, if you do something with them, they will be petty. Is Coca-Cola going to do something to cut off the 1.4 billion and say, I'm going to boycott because of China? And China tomorrow will cut you off and put their little fake fake uh, Coca-Cola and you'll never be back. That'll kill their bottom line. And that bottom line, nobody in the United States is going to stop drinking Coca-Cola because of what's going on in China. It's the bottom line. We're not that woke. I mean, uh, LeBron James is probably the wokest uh, player in the NBA. When somebody says something about China, he said, hey, hey, shut your damn mouth. Shut your damn mouth, right? That's 1.4 billion talk people. About, so at talk the end of the day, <laughs> hey, you can say that they're doing whatever. We Human rights are going to get mad. Some people woke. But that 1.4 billion speaks loud, and China don't play no games. If you speak out of turn about China, they will mess your ass up. So, um, I, unfortunately, that's just what it is. It's, it's a numbers game, and we will get over it. Everybody will get over it because most people really don't care. I paused for the cause. Thank you for that contribution. And you got you got a point. Numbers, it's hard to fight numbers. Uh, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Uh, I paused for the cause because we talked about mental health. And I would be remiss if I did not at least remember and recognize the life of uh, Ch Chesley Christ is her name, who was former Miss USA. She is the, the and, and we know ball, sports talk with sports, business, and entertainment collide. We have uh, seen Miss USA, that competition, basically evolve into what has been received as sports, business, and entertainment. Um, the, the mega dollars that are, are fed into the pageant, um, it's covered now in, in, in sports mediums, and they're entertainment, entertainment moguls that invest in it, uh, including, um, you know, I'll just say entertainment moguls that invest in it. Um, she was a, a, a young lady, I think 31 years old. I know she was struggling with, with the, the concept of turning 30. Um, seemed to have, have done a lot for a lot of people. So I um, just wanted to at least acknowledge her. Uh, this was about a week and a half ago. But since we talked about mental health, um, we should at least acknowledge her uh, in the spirit of saying that here on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, while we made light of it today as it pertains to uh, ben Simmons and in, in, in our analysis, uh, we don't make light of uh, the fact that there are several people struggling with smiles on their faces, but depression in their heart. Um, and, and, you know, whatever that might be, the face of the conversation for over the last 10 days has been a beautiful, you know, she, she was an attorney, um, 
had opportunities on TV. She's a supermodel. She's a pageant winner. She's Miss USA. She's overcome all odds. And yet, um, whatever was happening in her body, mentally, in, in, in her mind, um, was such that she leapt from she she leapt from a high rise building in New York City to kill herself. So, uh, just know that here on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, we we do support uh, getting the, the the help that you need, uh, and we ask and beg anyone that feels uh, any feelings towards hurting themselves, please get the help uh, that you need. Uh, and uh, just wanted to make sure we took that moment. Last two topics before we go home, man, and they're going to be more than lightning round. We sprinting. We we Ben Johnson uh, in the last 10 minutes. Ben Johnson. I, I should say Ben Johnson because the ROC is at it again. <laughs> we know Ben Johnson was accused of cheating. Well, he, he wasn't just accused. Found cheating in, in the Olympics. That's the only way he beat Carl Lewis. I'm sticking to it. That's the only way he beat Carl Lewis. I was a big Carl Lewis fan. Yeah, uh, the ROC is at it again. Like the most casual astronomically toxic takes and there's like yeah but i but that's a that's a story for another day that's another that's for another day man he cheated just in case we got any canadians watching i don't want to offend my canadian brothers just but, uh, just something i had to mention just this is I had to mention. but in the spirit of ben johnson man the roc is at it again young 15 year old figure skater which i'm not going i ain't saying her name because i feel at 15 years old you didn't make that decision um she was caught with a banned substance, some heart medicine to make, I guess, the, it makes sense, right? She's able to do more anaerobic exercises because of this heart medicine. But the ROC, the fact that you got to go by the ROC, you can't even go by Russia. Russia right. Olympic Committee. Are they, are just some people prone to cheat? Like, they're just going to cheat. 15 years old, that's not a young person making that decision. That's a either a trainer, a coach. I even go either, even far enough to say, Russian government making sure that girl took that dog on, you know. See, see, you were, you were, you, I know, I know you were like, I, can I say this? Can are I we say gonna it? Get, I wouldn't are say we it. Gonna if, get it was, if it was, if it was, if it was, we're gonna get hacked. I say you know we're gonna get hacked. We're done. We're done. I mean, we made it. I mean, we made it once we get hacked. Uh, is, <laughs> the ROC man, are they just are they are they just prone to cheat? Is this this what it's gonna be? Yes. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. going by the ROC, they, they go, they they change their name. They're like, nah, man, we the Rock now. Rock is in the building. We don't we don't do any of that stuff anymore. We don't do yeah, any man. of that. What you thought? You thought this was Russia? No, this is the Russian Olympic <laughs> oh, Committee, right? <laughs> we That's that Russia. Like, we don't even know we those cats. You we know, like maybe like first cousin once removed right ah, we you know we don't this. really know them put old girl on high blood pressure medicine hey man coach, to make coach her be better 15 hey uh, I'm, like, all, I'm all i got blood pressure medicine i don't feel like i can win no races i don't know what <laughs> right because you gotta talk 15. to my doctor okay but you know it's one of the things man where uh i make light of it but you know whatever i you know i i hope that that you know, the long-term effects don't hurt this young lady, which is why I'm not calling her by name. I think that was more institutional decision, man. There's no way that you would decide uh, as a 15-year-old to make that decision. That That is above your pay grade, um, but whatever. Uh, let's go home on this, man, because we talked about some of the sponsors when it pertains to the NFL, when it pertains to um, the Winter Olympics. Uh, because 
the concept of amateurism, I think, is a thing of a past in collegiate sports. It's these NIL deals, and I'll just mention them. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, name, image, and likeness, that is the new uh, way that collegiate players can receive compensation for their, their name, image, and likeness. Uh, but two of them stick out to me. Uh, Caleb Williams, who just transferred to USC, and before he could even land in L.A., before he got down on LAX, he had a deal. And that deal is with Beach by Dre, which is, I think, to be a really huge deal. So we're seeing how NIL is, is, is impacting recruiting. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably was one of the reasons he decided to go to L.A. versus Norman, Oklahoma. Um, he has this Beach by Dre deal. Paige Beckers, who is the standout women's basketball player at UConn who hasn't played. She, she's hurt this year uh, or hasn't played recently. She just got her third major partnership for, through an NIL deal with Cash App. This thing's taking off, man. It's really interesting. Uh, so I just want to bring those to everyone's light. And then we'll go home with this because Joe Rogan is in the midst of cancel culture in the sense that people want him taken off Spotify. I'm not it looks like Spotify is standing by Joe Rogan while also denouncing Joe Rogan's use of multiple times of the N-word. Uh, this is only, you know, less than two weeks after we discussed Whoopi Goldberg's uh, issues and then her being um, suspended from The View. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down. And we see some of the singers now taking their music off Spotify because of this controversy. Uh should we cancel Joe Rogan? Simple yes or no. And I know that's more complicated than yes or no, but we got to go home on it and we'll pick it up another time. I don't want to get canceled, so I'm scared to answer. But I would say no. And I'm not going to say, I just say that if people don't want to listen to Joe Rogan, don't listen to Joe Rogan. I don't know that we need to cancel him. He's on a, a niche platform anyway. It's not like he's on NBC, ABC, like a, a major network that you're seeing that you say, can't, I won't say you don't have a choice, but you know what I mean? It's more in your face. You got to go find him. It's a different medium, but he getting paid. Pay, 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 pay. He getting paid, but you got to go try to find him. So I don't think he's exactly – I'm not going to say he's he's not trying to get people to rally up and, and kill folks. Um, so I think there's there's an audience. If the audience wants to hear what he has to say, I don't think we censor everybody who says what we don't want to have to say, especially on niche platforms like that where you're not – you know, again, if it was NBC, CBS, ABC, ESPN, like that, I'd be like, yeah, you know, these are major broadcasts. You have to seek out Joe Rogan. So why? He's just going to show up somewhere else anyway. Which he, you know, Donald Trump's entertainment uh, medium already offered him a, a deal. Uh, and Donald Trump has come out and defended him. So has, uh, what's that idiot uh, who's governor of my home state, DeSantis, uh, has come out and defended him. It just it's just interesting how how I'm not how, defending them. I'm just saying you don't cancel everybody. I get it. No, you're not. But I'm mm -hmm. you're right in the sense that this opportunity would just be replaced by another one because um, people in support of him feel as though when you cancel, it's a form of censorship and undermines the rights that um, something like the freedom of speech is is aimed to protect. Uh, I'll go last. You up or down, man? Or should should we be canceling Joe Rogan? After his multiple use is a whole compilation, I think 13 uses of the N-word. Uh, he he said he apologized uh, somewhat, but what do you think, ETP? Up or down, should we be canceling Joe Rogan? I mean, short answer is no. These This is old content, old content. 
Very so if, there was, if there was an if there was an issue, it should have been addressed when it you know the fact fact of the matter is like it just gave light to some racial issues that were on the heels of his problematic or controversial statements about vaccine and COVID treatments and things of that nature. And then obviously it brought to light this other, you know, racial undertone. At the end of the day, like you said, he, he's got a platform. He can speak on his platform. Everybody has a choice whether or not they want to listen to it. You know, if, if, if you don't agree with it, then don't agree with it. But, but like, but I also, I fully support the artists. Like I appreciate the artists taking their matters into their hands. Like if they have a moral issue sure. with the, with the content that's on this platform and they want to take what they rightfully own and remove it from that platform, then, then they have every right to do that. And I support that, but that's an individual decision. It's not something from like a cancellation standpoint they're making a statement to say, I don't want to do business with this comp- with this corporation that is, is in support of these values, and I don't support those values. So I commend the artists. They have the, indiv- the individual right, and they have the authority to determine who they do business with. So that's so I so I totally I respect the fact that artists now even have that power. 30, yeah. 40, 50 years ago. Artists would have been wouldn't have really had a say because they didn't even own their masters. They weren't they weren't the rightful owners to the publishing. They were just they were just employees of the label. But now ownership dynamics are different, and so every every artist, every entertainer is a corporation, and now they're able to leverage that and make business decisions. So I support that, and they have every right to to uh, reject this platform. But I don't think canceling Joe Rogan because of something he said years ago that he also came out and acknowledged was was an issue shutting everything down never solves anything like there's no conversation about it and I'm not saying the conversation always becomes productive but all you're doing is like basically making people be quiet making them have thoughts in the dark if people have these opinions I'd rather know I'd rather know what you think about me if it's I'd rather know the negative things than to not know behind closed doors and and be wondering why am I being looked at this way? Why does this person perceive me this way? I think it also amplifies the fact that so many people have come out in support of him and have uh, been able to, in their minds, reconcile the use of the N-word in such derogatory ways that that because we're not having the conversation doesn't mean that the the word isn't being used in closed circles. The word isn't being used to prevent uh, hello, church say amen, prevent black folk from getting hired in the NFL. Uh, anyway, I digress. We can't go back to the beginning of the show. Uh, I, I I agree, but you talked about the artists uh, owning their masters and being having the leverage. Shout out to Snoop Dogg, who now owns Death Row. I don't think any masters come with that. I think it's just the brand and, and maybe some paraphernalia but he's one step closer to getting his masters back with that classic music that he made that we will be celebrating during the halftime show of the big game uh this has been an awesome awesome show man i do agree as well when it comes to the platform like the cancellation is one thing um uh, we do this show at sports business entertainment we don't profess to include politics here we're gonna say some things that are controversial we'll say some things as though we're in the barbershop that's what the concept of rough 
rugged and raw is all about. So let's remove the politics, at least from this podcast. Enjoy what we have. We're going to be delivering it a long time. I hope that we get a platform as big and as prominent as a Joe Rogan uh, to make some of our our, our analysis more public. Uh, but in this episode of The Big Show, we took you through a lot of, of sports business entertainment. We started off with the big game, uh, the Super Bowl, that is. We hope that you enjoy it. We hope you can get back to some of your traditions, that life will be a little more like normal. Why? Because over the last two years, right, we're approaching two years now. March 2nd, I think, is, is the date that people mostly attribute uh, to the beginning of the pandemic. So we're getting close to 24 months of being inside, having very little human interaction, very little normalcy when it comes to our uh, social activities with one another. There are a lot of people in a lot of households that are unfortunately dealing with uh, the mental anguish and subsequent mental health issues related to this pandemic. So on behalf of the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, uh, we wanted to call that uh, in terms of the big game, the biggest game ever, we hope that uh, you are able to thrive and succeed in combating that. You have our support from the Ball Hog Sports Talk. Enjoy the game this week. Uh, make sure that you tune in. Let us know what your favorite commercial is. We'll be asking next week. This has been the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brian Eskew, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of South, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration, a.k.a. Breezy with the Big Show episode of the Ball Hog Sports Talk where sports, business, entertainment collide. We did it for over two hours, rough, rugged, and raw. That is our show for the week. We out. Peace.